Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corbin Heller. And welcome to the Monday episode of the show. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, 11, that's November, November 28th, 5.30 p.m. here on the East Coast. Um, the awards for MLB have been officially announced. Winners have been, have, have won. Losers have lost. We have reactions to them, but that also means that we can finally do our year-end uh, roundup of our bold predictions and see how we did yeah. uh, in terms of predicting not just the boldness of our predictions, but also these award winners specifically. So Corwin Heller, would That's you great. like to start? Um, would you like to go first with the awards or go first with the predictions? Uh, I'll go first with predictions. You, you, All right, so, same same as we did. So you start with uh, awards. Sure. All right. So for um, AL Manager of the Year, that's just what I have first. Um, I had Scott Cervais. Um, so Scott, our 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 man, uh, Scotty, um, didn't place in this uh, place third. I should say, actually, sorry, he placed third in this in this award. Which, um, huh. Um, the winner was Terry Francona, and I do totally get that. Uh, number two was Brandon Hyde, who I think, if I had to vote, I probably would have voted for. I do understand Francona to a certain extent because Cleveland wasn't supposed to be super great. You know, everyone was pretty low on the AL Central as they should be, and Cleveland overperformed those expectations. But if you ask me, who had the more talented roster? Uh, Cleveland or Baltimore or Cleveland or Seattle, I would have picked Cleveland. Um, I mean, just for having Jose uh, um, Ramirez alone, I would have picked Cleveland. Not to mention the fact that they had former Cy Young winner Shane Bieber, as well as a pretty good, several pretty good arms. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised that Andres Jimenez had a good year. Like th- there, there are some solid pieces in Cleveland that I wasn't expecting that I would have kind of picked over some of the other teams. So to pick Francona feels kind of shitty. Uh, I, this is not right, though. I, I, I was incorrect. Scott Cervais did not win this award. Boo, Josh. Who'd you have for yeah, Josh, AL Manager of the Year? Um, I just fucking closed it because, of course, I did. I had uh, AJ Hinch, who with the uh, Dodgers oof. at this point. Not, no, not he Dodgers, was with the, the Tigers. The Detroit Tigers, yeah. Um, yeah. Boy, not did not close. place. No. no, did not come close. Yeah, that's a big oofy ouchie. Uh, so the top six voting was Terry Francona with um, 17 first place votes, Brandon Hyde with nine, Scott Cervais with one, Dusty Baker with three, and then Boone and Cash, Aaron Boone, Kevin Cash, both received some down ballot voting but did not um, receive any first place votes. For um, National League Manager of the Year, I had put, funny enough, I had put Joe Girardi. Now, I will say that, in my opinion, the National League Manager of the Year award should have gone to the manager of Philadelphia, which at the end of the season was Rob Thompson. Um, however, it went to Buck Showalter, which I have some feelings about. Um, Corwin, how about you? What did you who'd you have? Uh, I had my boy, Bob Melvin, um, which. Uh, Six. Did, did he place? He placed six. He got one point. There he is. One point. I'll take it. 
It's closer than the last one, but uh, yeah, they kind of fell short. I think uh, I think there were a lot of woes with this team that kind of cost them some some love. They did not have a clean season after having very high expectations. I mean, how do you feel about the fact that Buck Showalter won this award? I don't really like Buck Showalter, so I, I can't say I'm going to have a, a truly honest, unbiased opinion. Um, I don't know, man. I Frankly, what it comes down to, I don't know enough about managing and what it takes. And I didn't watch any Mets baseball this year for you know good reason. I, I couldn't tell you if he did a good job or not. But hey, I trust you saying what the fuck, meaning... Okay, I I know enough about Buckshaw Walter to kind of know what to expect out of that reaction. I'm I'm just a little bit I don't want to say annoyed like this is like really getting me where it hurts because I mean at the end of the day it's the manager of a team I don't fucking care about. Um, but it is like I don't know as we talk about the depreciating value of managers in current day baseball. To have an owner, one of the few owners that actually did open up the the checkbook and cash in like two hundred fifty million dollars in payroll, to then not even win their division and still assign the the guy at the helm of that kind of middling end of season run manager of the year is just I don't know, kind of not great because yeah, I I mean. If we look at some of the other guys that finished below him, I mean, like genuinely, what is the ostensible difference between picking Buck Showalter and Dave Roberts? It's the same guy, right? Like Oliver Marmol or Rob Thompson, who I think I would have picked, both did sincerely much more impressive jobs given the quality of the players on their team or the size of their payroll. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm amazed that Snitker didn't win it with the Braves with how he actually turned his team around. Like, yes, the Braves had mile-high expectations. Yes, they didn't have a good start to the season, but are you kidding? Like, they seriously turned their shit around quick. I don't get how he was not the favorite to win this. And it feels like they're going off of because that's what that's what I can't place with Buck. Like it feels like the worst of all fronts because it feels like people voted for Francona and Buck because they know Francona and Buck. Mm. Because especially the Buck one, because it's like, all right, yeah, the Mets won 101 games. That's amazing. They lost their division to the Braves, who also won 101 games. And if you want to go, oh, that's a lot of games. How about vote for Dave Roberts, who just set the franchise record of Dodgers wins with 111 of them. Which yeah, is Dodgers only are good. six That's wins shy of the all-time break. MLB record. Voter fatigue is the only thing I could come up with for why. Yeah, and you know, it's just kind of lame. I don't know. I don't know. Like, and it's. I'm not trying to say it's like Buck did anything appreciably wrong or was, uh, I don't know, an active hindrance that makes this a, a, an objectively terrible pick, but. It's like the at the opportunity cost of what seemed like so much better picks. Rob Thompson mm-hmm. taking this team over halfway through the year and immediately kind of like forcing them into a playoff spot is fucking impressive as shit, man. There's not a lot of teams that fire their manager midway through the season and then go to the World Series. 
I know that you couldn't predict the go to the World Series part because these awards took place, uh, voting took place before the postseason starts. But still, oh, like but he made the playoffs, which they would have known when the the voting took place. But sample size, man. Like, how could you give it to a guy who didn't coach the whole season? That's actually the whole point why you would give it to him. Actually, if we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah, especially because this is like an institutional guy. You know what I mean? This was a guy who was with the uh, Yankees or for like fucking, I think, almost 20 years in the in the coaching capacity. Like, it's not like it's some young 30-something-year-old dude who just kind of like took the helm of a great team. Like, yeah, the Phillies had a lot of really good pieces that payroll has been bloated for years without seeing the results that one would hope with a payroll that size. But, I mean, it's still like faltered under previous leadership. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, moving on, uh, let's do Rookie of the Year. For American League Rookie of the Year, I had Julio Rodriguez at the start of the season. And guess who won? Julio Rodriguez. He received 29 well. out of 30 possible first-place votes. Corwin also had them because this was the right choice before a single pitch was thrown. Um, coming in second was Adley Rushman, who was a very worthwhile um, opponent to Jose uh, or Julio Rodriguez in this category. Um, a, a tight third was Stephen Kwan, but I get why he's like very severely third fickle, third fiddle kind of here. Like it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it, it is a huge gap because of the production is relatively similar. But Julio, for what he, I think meant for the team and the position that he plays on the team, you know, um, Julio at center field versus Quan at left field, um, I think just adds to a little bit of his uh, mystique plus huge outing at the home run derby also really yes. helps it, like, with, uh, with that sway. Steve Quan absolutely uh, was a fun player throughout the season. He picked a bad season to be a, a front runner for rookie of the year for a good chunk of it because hard to beat those two guys. Yeah, because Rutschman also Rutschman only came in and came in and only played 113 games, only like it's not still over 100 MLB games. And I mean, 5.2 WAR in, in in 113 games is pretty fucking good. Yeah, and and, and an over 800 OPS as a catcher is a dream come true for most most MLB teams. You know, like that's just golden. Uh, National League Rookie of the Year. I had the unfortunate pick in retrospect of Hunter Green, who did not have a uh, stellar season in his rookie campaign with the um, Cincinnati Reds. He had a really tough start to the year, ended up kind of finishing a little bit stronger, ultimately finishing with a uh, 444 ERA in 125 innings with that came allowing 24 home runs, which is not great. Um, a FIP of 4.37, which is not great. Uh, strikeouts to strikeouts per nine of 11.7, which is really solid. And his strikeouts were 164, which in 125 innings pitch is great. Um, so it's a little bit of like a mixed bag kind of result. Uh, he ultimately did not place in this award though, as there was some just much better competition. Um, Corbin, who did you have for National League Rookie of the Year? I had Seiya Suzuki, who started off real hot. And boy, I kind of forgot he was the guy. I thought I forgot he was the highest paid 
international signing. I forgot he was a rookie. I forgot he played baseball uh, by the end of it. Um, I don't have his full season numbers pulled up. I would have to imagine mediocre batting average and like uh, maybe a 101 OPS, if I had to guess. Uh, his batting average was 262. His OPS plus was 116. Uh, he finished the year 262, 336, 433, with uh, 14 home runs, nine stolen bases, five caught stealing, 110 strikeouts, 42 walks. Pretty good season, not rookie of the year numbers. No, no. Instead, rookie of the year was a man that I don't think was really on either of our radar at the start of the season, which, you know, maybe that's just us, but Michael Harris of Atlanta. In fact, the top two vote getters were both from Atlanta. All 31st place votes went to Atlanta baseball players between the um, uh, center fielder, Michael Harris, and the pitcher, Spencer Strider, who occupied, again, all 30 of the top um, of the first place votes. They can't down on the list. getting away with this. I know. And they signed both of those guys to very small, big extensions. You, you guys know what I mean. Um, Brendan Donovan of St. Louis, Jake McCarthy of Arizona, Alexis Diaz of Cincinnati, O'Neal Cruz of Pittsburgh, and Nick Lodolo of Cincinnati all also received votes in that category. Um, but yeah, Michael Harris, I mean, a huge year for the dude. He had um, a slash line of 297, 339, 514. It's an OPS of 853 and OPS plus of 135. So 35% better than the average dude at 21, playing pretty rock solid defense by baseball reference war. He had 1.3 D war to see anybody be positive in D war is usually a fucking win. So, I mean, just great year from, from the guy, um, got an extension out of it, got some hardware killer start to the career. Corbin and I both got this category wrong. Yeah. Um, I honestly didn't know who Michael Harris was until the conversation started for, Oh, who's going to be rookie of the year. And as soon as, he was a guy like as soon as you notice him, it was hard to stop. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Once he kind of like entered your 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 head, he was. Uh, it seemed like he was he was going to be the guy. The second he got brought up, he seemed like that. Yeah, that's that's the guy. Um, all right. So then that brings us to American League Cy Young, where I put Garrett Cole, which uh, Garrett Cole finished ninth in this voting. Um, receiving just one measly point, so not exactly great. He did have Still the better most than strikeouts in MLB this season, um, which you'd think would account for something more in the way of votes, but no. Um, which also, though, it's super understandable. He had a pretty crappy year by a production standpoint. Justin Verlander won this award, um, which we'll talk about, I guess, more in just a second. But uh, Corwin, who did you have as the winner of this? Uh, I had a guy we previously mentioned, Shane Bieber, who ah uh, yes, did Shane not Bieber. get uh, He got finished seventh. Oh really? Wow. Yes, he finished seventh. He he got five points this... total in his voting. No, I had the top five up. Yeah, ugly, yeah, ugly uh, look for Corwin. Um, Nestor Cortez was nestled between the two of them, three points, um, which is pretty fucking funny. Uh, just to run down the whole top 10, because it's a pretty interesting list, Justin Verlander got the most. He got all thir- 30 first-place votes. Then followed by uh, Dylan Cease, Alec Manoa of Toronto, Shohei Otani of the Angels, Framber Valdez, also of Houston, Shane McClanahan of the Rays, Shane Bieber of Cleveland, Nestor and Garrett, both from 
the Yankees and Kevin Gaussman of Toronto. That's your top 10. Justin Verlander winning this award is pretty fucking nuts. I mean, the dude is coming fresh off of Tommy John surgery. This is the first time he's thrown since 2020. And even when he threw in 2020, he threw six fucking innings. So this is really the most he's done since uh, the only thing he's done since 2019 when he also won Cy Young. So there's really a pretty reasonable argument to be made for this to be back-to-back Cy Young seasons. And the season he played right before that, he finished second place in Cy Young voting. I mean, it's been an unreal run for him these past few years. And he just wrapped up his age 39 season, heading into his age 40 season and elected free agency pretty wisely. It would seem, um, I mean, I know we had a conversation at the start of the season about him dying off. This was it. This was the year Justin Verlander puts up a four and a half ERA. He's just guy coming back from Tommy John surgery, Age 39 season, 39, 37. It's 39 uh, season. Yeah, 39 just absolutely set up for failure and just shoves it down our throats. And I mean, down our throats, he did shove. Uh, this is fucking nuts, man. I mean, the, the innings total is a little bit smaller than in years past, 175. But I mean, fuck, 175 is still a buttload of innings, yeah, especially from a guy just coming off of Tommy John. Uh, I mean, they were being careful with Verlander, and he still threw 175 innings. Oh, and he also led MLB in wins, win percent, and ERA. Um, sorry, led Casual. the AL in wins and win percent, and then all of baseball in ERA, ERA plus, and WHIP. Just, just nuts. Um, it is going to be so fascinating where he goes and for how much, because he, I believe, I saw reports saying he had mentioned wanting a Max Scherzer-like deal. And it's like, shit, I mean, yeah, I think he's totally right. I think that's exactly what a team would do. That seems like the exact situation he's in. Yeah. Very old, but still at the top of his game. Yeah, two years for very good money is a risk that I think almost every team with the money to do so will make. What if the Mets got Verlander but let DeGrom walk? So they take Verlander on for the exact same contract they signed Scherzer for, but at the expense of bringing back um, Jacob DeGrom. I think that is a poor ownership decision that would severely shrink your window. Um, And I I just – I don't think you need to make that risk. Like, I I think – you can offer DeGrom a deal to bring him back that he would sign. I know you can also make an offer for Verlander that he would sign, but I mean, for that same level of money, wouldn't you just rather have Jacob DeGrom straight up? My thinking on why it could be an interesting move for the Mets is that if part of the concern for the Mets is availability for Jacob DeGrom, coupled with maybe a mindset, and I again, this is pure hypothetical no clue but maybe a mindset that their playoff window is a little bit more difficult to decipher without Max Scherzer two seasons from now then maybe you say all right well instead of bringing Jacob DeGrom back for five to seven years we bring in Verlander for two to four years you know Scherzer deal essentially 
and pay him forty million instead of maybe like the thirty-seven million we would have had to pay Degrom or however much he figured he would have wanted. Who cares? Uh, and because we just saw him put up this kind of fucking season right after a Tommy John surgery, we might actually be more comfortable with the idea that Verlander plays a full season than we are Degrom does. And if we view our playoff window tied in some statistically meaningful way to Scherzer being on the team, then we only need a handful of years before we kind of reconstruct the current roster. Again, I'm not saying that is the ideal way of doing things because I have no fucking clue, but I could see an interesting argument to be made about riding out the short-term window before having to do a reinvention of the team uh, in a few years anyway. Either way, though. I get no where you're coming where from. Goes, I just, I don't know, man. I would not want to put my faith for your World Series window in two guys who are 40 and practically 40. Because they would both be, be so making cool, such an insane amount of money. It'd be so fucking funny. It'd be straight up like 1800s baseball. <laughs> yes, our World Series is dependent on these two guys who are like 60 who randomly have like one ERAs and make everyone else look like fucking jokers, just slap hitters. Yeah. Until one guy has to miss three games for colonoscopy. And then that just snowballs into the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. Jacob DeGrom or uh, Justin Verlander is just drinking chalk smoothies <laughs> in preparation for getting his guts inspected. Oh Yeah. That's right. Aging's a joy. Um, anywho, National League Cy Young. So neither Corwin nor I got the AL guys. Both of us finding dudes in the top 10, but neither dude finding any real success for for uh, that award. National League, I had uh, Corbin Burns. Uh, yeah, Corbin Burns finished seventh in voting, so better than my American League pick. Um, not by too much. Also, no first place votes awarded here as one man collected all of them. Um, Corbin Burns did lead all of MLB in games started and he led the national league in strikeouts. So I did pick the two guys who led their respective leagues in strikeouts, but unfortunately no hardware collected. So it was still, still pretty cool to do. I'm very impressive. What can I say? Uh, Corbin, who did you pick for national league guy? Uh, I picked my main man, you Darvish who finished one spot behind Corbin Burns. Um, had a good season by all means, but nothing spectacular. Yeah, yeah no, uh, no, no black ink. Uh, the guy who won this was also a, such a no shit candidate. Like, I don't know, two months into the season, it was like, oh, yeah, it'll be Sandy Alcantara. And then he just never stopped being bad or never stopped being good. He was just amazing the whole way through the year. And yeah, it ended up being Sandy Alcantara. Who led he had all like of one game where he gave up like four earned runs, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is it. this is the collapse. It's here." And then he immediately righted the ship. Actually, that's an interesting question. I'm going to go look at his game logs. Um, but he um he led all of MLB in pitching WAR eight, just stupid. Uh, complete games, shutouts, innings pitched, and batters faced. And I mean, to throw two hundred and twenty eight point two innings in today's baseball is fuck like wow that is just not some shit that happens man and it, it's not I, I even mean, like he was 
starting like it's not like he started every fourth or fifth day like he was going deep into these games when he pitched yeah i mean so real quick he had um six games of four earned runs or more this past season three games of four earned runs two against the mets one against the phillies a five earned run game against seattle and then a six earned run game against atlanta and one against the dodgers uh everything else Everything else, all of his other, um, so let's see, that's what I see, four, six starts. All of his other, um, 26 starts were essentially quality starts. Uh, it's just absolutely uh, silly. I uh, know, man. It's, it's just, oh, God. He had a, a season high of 117 pitches thrown, which came in his complete game against, um, Seattle, uh, St. Louis. Fewest innings, fewest pitches thrown was 83 in what was um, his five. Uh, sorry, Wait, no, is he, it two he never run. threw less than 83 pitches in a game? Never didn't throw less than 83 pitches in a game this year. Holy shit. Yeah. And that and this 83 pitch game was also apparently the first game of the season where he uh, went five innings, three runs, two of them earned, um, and then just. Proceeded to dick down the league after that. Like, not only is only six games of four earned runs wild, the fact that he never got pulled from a single one of those and was able to go what I assume was five or six full frames to get to 83 pitches is wild. Yeah, actually, his shortest outing is 3.2 innings. That was the six-earned run game against the Dodgers. He also had a game of only 4.2 innings, which was a two-earned run game against um, the Padres. But in even then, in those 4.2 innings, he had thrown 94 pitches, which is what you call a veteran start, where you really don't have it, but you also limit damage as best you can. Like, that's actually kind of an... It's a really an impressive performance. Like, that's... You can tell even just from looking at the box score that that was a game he didn't really have his pitches, but was able to keep his team in a position to win until uh, for until he hit a pitch count that the team was comfortable with removing him from the game. Everything beyond those two games, um, you know, that was at least five, at least five innings. Yeah, it's got to be something to Just go so, a full season of having game. Like, even when you don't have it, you're still in control. Dude just had a fucking year, man. So excited to see him back next year. Hopefully the Marlins can put some talent around him and he can be a serious contender for, um, I don't know, a playoff start. That'd be nice. Uh, oh, the full um, nationally exciting vote getters were Sandy Alcantara, who got all 31st place votes. Max Fried uh, came in second. Julio Urias in third. Aaron Nola from Philly, uh, Zach Allen of Arizona, Carlos Rodon of San Francisco, Corbin Burns of Milwaukee, Hugh Darvish of San Diego, Edwin Diaz of the Mets, which, fuck, that's hilarious. Kyle Wright of Atlanta, Logan Webb of San Francisco, and Ryan Helsley of St. Louis collected a point, which is also hilarious. How many points um, did Edwin Diaz's uh, trumpeter get? Uh, also six. It was, it was a shared vote every time they got a, a point. Nice. That brings us to uh let's do the national league mvp first so um i had for the national league mvp juan soto uh juan soto got traded midway through the year because his team was bad but stayed in the national league so there was 
I guess some hope here that he would um, I don't know, turn on to be the Juan Soto we've all known and loved during his tenure in the league. And uh, no, he uh, he did not do that. He didn't. He had kind of a bummer season for him. Did not receive any MVP votes for just wow. the actually for the third consecutive season, which is a hmm. a second second season in a row. My my mistake. Yeah, second isn't he season. like only in his third season? <laughs> He's uh, he's fifth. Fourth. This was his wow, fifth season. Really? No shit. Yes, really. He's twenty-four. That's wild. Yeah, he's about to be twenty-four. Uh, oh, no, sorry, he is currently twenty-four. Now that the season's over, he's twenty-six days into being twenty-four. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the halfway point, I really would have loved for this one to come true, but um, hey, can't always work. Five point six WAR is um, actually a lot better than you would think based on the fact that he didn't even place in this award, but, uh, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I also had the one Soto. FYI. Oh, we both put one Soto. That's fine. We did. We're smart guys. Not that smart. Apparently. Yeah. The guy who actually won this was, um, Paul Goldschmidt and yeah, yeah. He really deserved it. Um, what a season from the dude. Uh, I mean, Paul Goldschmidt, it feels like, uh, to a lighter extent, Justin Verlander, it's like, this man's 34. He is just an old dude who just refuses to stop hitting bombs. Um, he came out this year, slash line, 317, 404, 578 slogging, which led the National League, 981 OPS, which led the National League, 180 OPS plus, which led the National League, and it was the highest of his career 12 years into it. I mean, just nuts. 7.8 war from a first baseman, which gets a negative positional adjustment for your war, is crazy. I mean, he had some stiff competition, too, because one of his teammates, Nolan Arenado, who actually is a nudge above him in um, in war at 7.9, um, also received a single first place vote, but those two guys put together accounted for uh, almost 16 war between those two dudes on the corner infield for St. Louis. Add in Manny Machado, who also had a, a fellow career season in San Diego. I mean, it was a huge top three this year for the National League voting. Um, the the whole rundown was uh, Goldschmidt, Machado, Arenado in that order. Then. Friedman, sorry, Freeman and Betts, both from the Dodgers, Austin Riley from Atlanta, JT Realmuto from Philly, Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor from the Mets. Um, Sandy Alcantara finished 10th. And then there's a whole bunch of dudes who just got a handful of points. Trey Turner, Danzy Swanson, Michael Harris, Julio Urias, Jeff McNeil, eat shit. Da- Daniel Bard, Edwin, Edwin Diaz again, eat shit, people. Kyle Schwarber and Starling Marte. What? All right, someone's got to check on the Man, Mets what is going on? With this these is names. stupid. This is this is. I'm sorry. This is stupid. Edwin Diaz How did got Starling Marte get a vote, and like I get Juan Soto had a down season, but nothing. But that's that. But that's what I'm saying. Like like Starling Marte finished the year with 3.8 wins above replacement, and I'm not to say that it's like the end all be all of everything. But we're looking when we're looking at down ballot voting, and Starling Marte gets votes and Juan Soto doesn't. That just feels ridiculous. Whatever. Mo- moving on. American League. I decided not to pick my guy this year. And of course, he did end up winning it. But uh, instead, I picked um, Carlos Correa, who did not place. 
Uh, Corwin, who did you have for this award? Uh, I had uh, Mr. Number Two, uh, Shohei Otani. Yeah, it was a mean pick. It was a good pick. Um, by the way, Carlos Correa, it's 5.4 war, you'd think would get you some down ballot voting. Uh, <laughs> Sean Murphy got a vote. But fuck Carlos Correa. No apparently. fucking way. Seriously, Sean Murphy of all people? Sean Murphy wow. received a vote. It says on his baseball reference page that he finished 22nd in MVP voting in 2022, which is dumb. Really dumb. But whatever. Uh, Unless Aaron he can Judge frame a wild pitch to be a strike, I don't know how that's wor- that works out. It doesn't. It makes no sense. It is stupid. Uh, it is. It is so stupid. Whatever. Uh, Aaron Judge took this award with 28 out of 30 votes. So just to just to recap, the MVP voting are the only places we really saw any s- split between the voters. Cy Young, AL and NL, both were unanimous. American League Rookie of the Year was almost unanimous, one vote off. National League Rookie of the Year, we had a little bit more dis- disparity, but still kind of both between the Atlanta guys, which feels like Atlanta was really good. Pick your poison. Um, and then the manager of the year voting was a little bit more spread, but amongst the players, um, it's been a pretty unanimous year. Um, even this is damn near close, it, but it was an interesting conversation topic throughout the end of the season, which is why we saved this one for last. Uh, so Aaron judge ended up winning the award. He led all of baseball in wins above replacement runs scored home runs, RBIs, um, on base percent slugging OPS and led the American league in walks. Uh, just, I mean, a, colossal year which was made even more emboldened by the fact that he also you know led all baseball in home runs and set the american league home run record did it for the yankees and did it in a contract year where he turned down over 200 million dollars believing he could receive more and put on a show to fucking prove it so is is he going to get more I mean, than 200 million dollars to I I I think he's gonna get three hundred million dollars. I, I I think it'll be pretty easy, but I have no fuck. I have no clue. I have no clue. But it's a it was a monster year. The problem was he was going up against uh, the guy Corwin picked, which is what made this such a conversation in the first place. Even though the voting didn't quite shake out that way, and that is Shohei Otani, who also had a huge year, nine point six WAR. I mean, Shohei Otani finished second in MVP voting, and he also finished fourth in Cy Young voting. And uh, like it was a crazy good year for um, Shohei Otani, who didn't lead the league in anything between his batting and his pitching stats, but was great and like genuinely great in both of them. Um, so now that the dust is officially settled on this, Corwin, what are your what are your thoughts and feelings since my guy went up against your guy and my guy won? <laughs> um, listen, it. Can I be upset that a guy who hit 62 home runs won MVP? No, I can't. Um, do I think the guy who is arguably the biggest unicorn that baseball has seen in multiple generations uh, worth you know enough to give an MVP to just about any given season that he performs at his level? Yeah, absolutely. He totally could have taken this even with 62 home runs. The fact that I know he can just go ahead and do that any given year now. All right, I'll I'll allow Aaron Judge to sneak one after he had one stolen himself. So 
It's all going to come out even in the end. Okay. You got it, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, we have discoursed over this plenty to the point where I feel like any further sincere discourse is going to be overwrought. We, we, we've gone through it. Um, the more interesting thing, as we've said throughout the season, and it includes now, is what will this contract look like? But we will get there when we get there. I feel like it's going to be something that gets done at the winter meetings. I don't know why. It's just a just a gut feeling that this is a winter meetings contract. But who's to say? It could get dragged out. Um, it could be tomorrow. We don't know. Uh, the there were twenty some odd people who got twenty two some odd people who got uh, MVP votes. All the first place votes went to Judge and Otani. Uh, the rest of the guys are Joran Alvarez from Houston. Jose Ramirez from Cleveland, Jose Altuve from Houston, Andres Jimenez from Cleveland. As you can see, this is why I didn't think Terry Fricona should have won this award. Uh, Julio Rodriguez from Seattle, Mike Trout from the Angels, Xander Bogarts from Boston, and Justin Verlander from Houston. That rounds out the top 10 down ballot dudes. Uh, Bo Bichette from Toronto, Adley Rutschman from Baltimore, uh, Louisa Rice from Minnesota, Rafi Devers from Boston, Kyle Tucker from Houston. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from Toronto, Jose Abreu from the White Sox, Alec Manoa from Toronto, Alex Bregman from Houston, Yandy Diaz from the Tampa Bay Rays, Fran Valdez from Houston, Dylan Seas from Chicago, the White Sox, and as I said prior, Sean Murphy of Oakland. Did, did some <laughs> Oakland beat Murphy writer lose a bet? Here? Well, what I'm wondering is, is Sean Murphy like up for a new contract and a beat writer was like, you know what? Sean Murphy needs more money and he could use this when he's negotiating his next contract. Do the Oakland Athletics have an in with the MLB Writers Association trying to manipulate their contracts? He is still in arbitration. So actually, my theory holds a little bit of water. So when he goes to arbitration, he gets to say, "I, I received an MVP vote. Pay me accordingly. Which, again, is funny. And you have to wonder. I I mean, power to players, baby. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I will write this down as fact. I write that down. Write that down. Um, All right. Cool beans. Let's get into our bold predictions. I went first on the, oh, sorry, World Series champs. Um, I give myself partial credit here. I gotta say, I picked the Phillies as my World Series champs, losing to sorry, beating the Yankees. Um, the Phillies made it to the World Series. They lost to Houston, so again, only partial credit. But that was a bold pick, and it did kind of pay off, which you, I completely you definitely about. deserve partial credit. Give yourself something there, because boy, nobody saw that coming. Apparently, I did. Who'd you? Uh, what'd you have? Uh, I picked the Los Angeles Dodgers, which uh, goes to show never pick the favorite. Who'd you pick them over? Did you have a a, a loser? I didn't. I, I don't have anyone there for the AL. That's okay. All right. Well, then let's get into our bull predictions. I started with the awards. So, Corbin, you're up first on the predictions front. I have Matt Olson winning NL Silver Slugger and Gold Glove. So, by... Transitive property. Freddie Freeman does not. He didn't win either. Uh, that I think they both went to uh, Goldsmith this year, right? 
Of all uh, the things, I brought up every page but the first prediction. So, Go sorry, you're I was pulling up a page of my own. You were asking nice, about what? Nice. Uh, NL uh, Golden Glove. Was that Paul for, Goldschmidt? Well, Gold Glove is for every. There's one for every position. Yes. Uh, so first uh, base. No, uh, Goldie took in Silver Slugger. Goldie did. Not yes. uh, so. Not Gold Glove. Uh, not that I see. Let me look at Freddie's page. See if it's on his. It's fine. He did. Not. I don't think I'll it was Matt Olson. So that's all that matters. Hold on one second. Christian Walker for first base. That's your guy. Corwin. Corwin. Sorry, I did blow my nose. No. Yeah. Christian Walker. Yeah, who would have thought? First time he won, apparently. So, so no, no good on the first one? That is a no-go on bold prediction number one. All right. Very sad, yep. I know. My first one is also not successful. My first one is three or more players hit 50 home runs. This was in contrast to my 2021 bold prediction, which was that no batter hits over 45 home runs. Uh, this was moving in the opposite direction. Part of the thinking here was that, uh, if I recall correctly, MLB was going to reduce some of the balls. Uh, no, they did not. This was a huge down year for home runs. Uh, such to the point that Judge, who led all of MLB in home runs, had 16 more than the guy in number two. Um, like it was not a tight race amongst almost anybody this year. Um, so not only did only one guy hit 60 home runs, he's the only guy who hit more than 50. Schwarber hit 46, and he was six ahead of the guys at three between uh, Trout and Alonso, who had 40. Uh, really, and th those were those are the only four dudes who hit more than forty. Like it was it was not a big home run year, so uh, bad bad bull prediction for Josh. Corbin, um, I, I'm struggling to uh, piece my sheet back together because I accidentally deleted one of them and Google Drive saved over it. We are on, yeah, and and we're back. Okay, Corbin, go ahead. Uh, the Giants go from 107 wins to missing the playoffs. They missed the playoffs. They won 81 games, won exactly 500. Uh, they finished six games behind in the wild card. So get fucked, San Francisco. I don't. Looking back, I don't think this was as bold of a prediction, even though they led baseball in wins last year. Yeah, whatever. There's like a 25-game uh, difference here. I will take that any day of the week. All right, hold on one second. Oh, yeah. All right, sorry. I had to do some math for my thing. So my next one was stolen base attempts increase at a far greater rate than we've been assuming on this show. Now, this one was born because larger bases this year. So yes. we were wondering, like, was that going to do anything? Uh, because they, you know, they tried this out in the Atlantic League, and we they decided to implement it in the major leagues. So we had assumed that whatever they saw in the numbers from the Atlantic League, date, league data must have been convincing enough for them to want to try it out in the majors. Um, so I totaled up 
stolen bases plus caught stealings from the last three years and divided them by plate appearances. So basically how many, how many stolen base attempts were there uh, per plate appearance in MLB the past three years. Um, so in 2020, 1.77%, I'm actually going to change these to have only the one decimal place. So 1.8% of stolen bases, of plate appearances uh, included a stolen base somewhere in there, an attempt anyway. In 2021, 1.6%. And in 2022, uh, any any thoughts? Any guesses percentage-wise? 1.8? Well, yeah, one point eight again. Um, okay. From a raw numbers standpoint, twenty twenty is an outlier because it was a shortened season. So ignore the number from that. But looking at twenty twenty one, there were two hundred two thousand nine hundred twenty four stolen base attempts, and there were um, in twenty twenty two three thousand two hundred and seventy nine. A difference of about three hundred fifty. So, well. yeah, it's like. The, the raw numbers increased. There was also hilariously more plate appearances this year than last year. Um, so some of that increase in volume can be attributed to just, I mean, more volume of people coming into the batter's box and, you know, whatnot. Sure. And in I fact, won't pretend success, to know uh, how it all breaks down. So, yeah. The success rate also dropped as well. So there were 2,213 stolen base, successfully stolen bases in 2021 out of 2,924 attempts. That's a success rate of 75.7%. Uh, this year, the success rate was 75.3%. So w- however the numbers are moving, it doesn't seem to be in great quantity, which I think is probably the the way to, to analyze this, which mm-hmm. is to say whatever difference is being made doesn't seem like it's a lot yeah like if it makes a difference in a handful of individual cases throughout the course of a season kind of like we saw what was it in the playoffs with um jose altuve okay um regardless it's individual cases it's you know off chances things like that it yeah it'll be more interesting in that regard for a handful of cases i couldn't imagine changing the game plan for your team around what a one inch, two inch total increase overall. Well, it, it's tough because so I, I did the numbers just in a slightly different way. It was, it is a 10.8% increase in stolen base attempts and a 0.13% increase in plate appearances. So it, it's not commensurate um, basically right. saying uh Stolen bases as an attempt increased regardless of the uptick in plate appearances. So I, I would to like effect, to say I applaud you for actually doing the math on that. I think if that popped up and I hadn't done it prior to us sitting down, I, I either would have won it or pretended like I guessed something else. Good on you. Thanks, buddy. Um, however, I... I wonder how sustainable that increase is, which I guess is what we'll find out in seasons to come, because it, and uh, essentially an 11% increase in stolen base attempts is probably a good thing. But if we're not netting out to more benefit, unless we're going to say that... See, actually, this is an interesting point. Unless we're going to say that the volume of stolen bases, regardless of the success rate, 
has merit, which is something that I think you and I have been saying for a while, which is to say the advantage of still of a stolen base might be more than um, the downside of getting caught stealing more than 25% of the time, you know, because we've seen it in the numbers. We've seen how uh, much more successful players are in scoring from second base. And it's like, yeah, that comes mm-hmm. at the expense of maybe an out, but eventually runs have to be scored to win the game. And I, Blah, 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 blah. You know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, put pressure on infield defense, that type of shit. So if we're seeing a slight but a, a present downtick in success but an increase in volume, will the volume increase because it is advantageous to steal bases at a clip even without increase in success rate? It'll be interesting to see if this is changing the metrics at all for how baseball teams evaluate their, I don't know, the game theory of stealing bases. I guess is what we're driving at. So, um, I guess this is actually right. If you told me that stolen bases went up eleven percent, I think that's more than we would have had. We would have been assuming. I yeah. don't think I would have assumed eleven percent. No, I don't think I would have either. All right, I'll give myself credit for that one. You deserve it. What's your next one, buddy? My next prediction is the AL East standings completely flip from 2021 in which the AL East finished the Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, and then the Baltimore Orioles with the caveat being the Orioles still finished last. Absolutely no one was in the same position as they were last year, nor were they in the inverse. New York Yankees, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, and then Boston. Those pesky little orange birds just really throwing a wrench and even attempting to come close to this. Um, Still, that being the case, uh, fun year for the AL East. I'm glad Boston sucks. I'm glad the birds are getting better. I'm happy for you that the Yankees finally, you know, put up a wild season in a positive sense Uh, a wild half season anyway (laughs) followed by a half season of misery followed Um, by a half season of Aaron Judge and Aaron Judge only thank god for Aaron Judge otherwise this team would have been unfucking watchable the AL my next one is the AL Central sorry no my next one is that the Angels make the playoffs which did not come true we can move on (laughs) No, no discussion to be had there. What, what more discussion could we possibly have about it? So nothing you're, you're positive. Uh, next up for me, the Dodgers break the single season wins record. Only have a losing. Uh, they only had a record. Holy shit, Corwin! They only had a losing record against three teams last season. They will not have a losing record against anyone's team this year. That was not the case. They nearly got swept by the Pirates. They only won 111 games, so didn't break the all-times win record. But they, in doing so, they had a plus 334 run differential, which I do know breaks the record. Okay. Partial credit all around. Um, My next one uh, came true. My next one was that the AL Central division winner is genuinely good and makes it past the first round of the playoffs. Whoa, bold, the, sir. And it happened. So this year, the AL Central winner was the Cleveland Guardians, who won 
92 games, which is the least of all the division winners in all of MLB, but it is only uh, one game worse than St. Louis. It's the same amount of wins that Toronto got. It's more wins than Seattle and San Diego got, um, which were also playoff teams and the Rays uh, and the Phillies. So, I mean, like, it is perfectly 90 wins is 90 wins. Every team will take 90 wins. 92, Um, especially from an AL Central team. And they did make it past the first round of the playoffs, which is especially more uh, emboldening since the first round of playoffs this year wasn't just a one game wild card. It was the best of three wild card, which they handled two games to none against the race and moved on. So uh, I claim victory here. Good job. Good victory. I'm proud of you. You're up. Oh, yeah. That is how this works. Uh, next up for me, Joey Votto hits 40 home runs. At 37 in 2010 as a career high. He hit 11. He hit 322 at-bats and he hit 11. 11 is the new 40, though. Which 11, is what I think they say at Nambla. I, I promise you. I promise you, Josh. 11 is not the new 40. You can tell that to the, the man-boy love association. Tell that to the judge. Uh, my next one is that the Giants turn back into a pumpkin and finish with... Uh, within five games of 500, I think is what I was going to, what I try to say there. Uh, the Giants did finish exactly at 500. So um, full credit to me there. Corwin also had a version of this, um, this prediction. So yeah. since he got it, I also get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were right. The Giants did not impress this year. Go us. Go us. Uh, next up for me, the Blue Jays have six players that hit 30 home runs. Boy, those numbers really fucked me up. They had one guy hit 30 home runs, Mr. Floyd Guerrero Jr. Matt Chapman hit 27. I'm sorry? Not a good year for home runs. No, no, it was not. They removed that juice ball pretty quickly. Um, Matt Chapman hit 27. George Springer hit 25. Teoscar Hernandez, a now Mariner, hit 25. Bo Bichette hit 24 which is five total guys all within six home runs. Uh, and then their catchers combined for 29, 15 and 14 between Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk. Uh, so I don't my, think I was closer. No, no. Any of our good home run hitting predictions. No good this year. Just no good this year. My next one, I, I'm going to take some partial credit for, <laughs> which is really just me being a dick. Um, the Mets adding name brand players continues to not help enough finish fourth in the division. Uh, so the first part of that is spot on <laughs> as the Mets added a lot of name brand players and then still didn't win their division and then got bounced in the first round of the playoffs, um, I which I take partial credit for. They did not finish fourth in the division. They did finish second, um, which is two better than fourth. That's how numbers work. Um, but the fact You're that they got bounced in, Thank you. The fact that they got bounced in the wild card game, uh, wild card series, is funny, and I will award myself half credit here. I'll allow it. I have no say, but I'll allow it. Damn straight. Lay it on me. Uh, next up for me, the Philadelphia Phillies finished top three in runs scored and bottom three in team defensive runs saved. Well, they finished seventh 
in runs scored with 747, a full 100 behind the Dodgers, and 42 behind the third place Atlanta Braves. And as far as defensive run saves, they finished 25th out of 30 teams with negative 33, seven runs shy of uh, third to last place, which was 40 by the Kansas City Royals. The former top team in MLB as of last year, San Francisco Giants finished with negative 53. Just want to kind of drag them through the mud one last time. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck them. Um, fuck them. All right. My, uh, my next one. Uh, half credit probably isn't enough. Or it is too much. Uh, Philly's hitting is as advertised. Pitching is better than expected. They win the NL East. <laughs> so let's dissect that a little Boy, bit. Well, you got like really close with some of those. <laughs> <laughs> right? As I said, uh, half credit's too much um bit by bit the phillies hitting being as expected they were one two three four five six seven eight ninth so top 10 offense um yeah there were that's a solid hitting team top 10 is good i guess i'll throw in the caveat of like yes kyle swarber balled out he deserves all the credit in the world and not having bryce harper for the majority of the season Perch those team numbers, uh, but everyone else on the team definitely hit below expectations. Yeah, and in all reality, that lineup probably this prediction was probably hindered upon that lineup having more like being like a top five hitting lineup. So yeah. I'm giving myself a lot of slack there. The Phillies pitching being better than expected though is honestly pretty on brand. They finished league average pitching, which I think is a huge win for the Phillies. Uh, league yeah. average ERA this year was 396. The Phillies ERA was 397, um, which, again, I think you take as a Phillies fan. I think you do, too. Same. Uh, they came nowhere fucking close to winning their division. No, they came. That is where the, the leniency towards this prediction comes and ends. Uh, they finished 14 games shy of first. Nowhere even close. So no partial credit awarded for this one for me, unfortunately. Yeah, these next ones are rough too. Josh, this next next one one for me, we're actually going to have to have a conversation on because this comes down to legal language. Cody Bellinger cannot fix his swing or find a groove and is either optioned or DFA'd. He was untenured, I believe, is the not not non tendered, non tendered. Wow, I was really close on both halves of that. Untenured, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) untenured, like like a bad college professor. Oh boy. <laughs> um how how are we gonna view that? Because he wasn't released. He wasn't sent yeah, yours, down. yours has more of a mid season kind of sound to it, like it happened during the year, whereas they did write him out uh and then just ultimately are not actively bringing him back. So I would award some partial credit here for this. Uh if I'm allowed to take partial credit, I will I'll take it and run. I will award some partial credit here. Thanks, bro. Thanks. I mean, like the fact that the Dodgers aren't extending him the qualifying offer. Yeah, that's tough. Because uh, the qualifying offer, if he walks, you at least get the compensation pick. And like, look, let's be honest, Cody Bellinger is not great, but I mean, like, a nineteen million bucks is a lot of money. But to take one more year 
to say to the guy, like, look, one last chance, man. Uh, I, look, I get to a certain extent why they wouldn't. Um, that roster spot might be worth more than $20 million, especially for a team that is continuously so close to winning a World Series and then not doing it, why they might want to be a little bit more conservative with their roster spots. But it is uh, tough. That's tough if you're Cody. Yeah, I, th- I think if there's any team where roster spots mean less than the money it takes to fill those spots, it's the Dodgers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My next award or uh, award uh, prediction is half true, but the better half is true. So I think I should take some partial credit for this. Some good. No, a lot of credit for this. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles become buyers at the trade deadline and win more than 70 games. So the Baltimore Orioles did not buy at the deadline. Corey and I talked about this when we talked about the MLB trade deadline back in whatever that was, July. Um, they They didn't really acquire anybody. But they did win 83 games, which is a huge turnaround from where they were last year. Um, the fact that they were over 500 is uh, astonishing. They won 31 more games than they won last season. 31 of them. 31 game swing from last year. Do so, Did we ever look up what the biggest difference was year to year? Large, no. largest year to year win differential MLB. Uh, that's runs. I want wins. Year to year, mccubed.net. Um, <laughs> I get all my, my most reliable information. This is not updated, it looks like, for this season. But the l- biggest difference here um, is the Arizona Diamondbacks from 1998 to 1999 going from 40 wins to 62. So 22 wins. Oh, this is win percent difference, I guess. I see. That's one and the same. I don't actually don't know. I, I don't I don't know how the raw numbers would shake out. Whatever. Yeah, it's not worth it. Give me yeah. hit me with your next one. Um, Shohei Otani continues to prove he is not a human man. It's fifty home runs, uh, with a sub three five ERA. Um, he had. Uh, wow, they don't have his ERA on the summary. That's funny. Um, because I have to scroll through six different pages of his. He finished with a 2-3-3 ERA, so blew that prediction out of the water, but only hit 34 home runs in 586 at-bats. So fell short there. Obviously, home runs down across the league. Um, So 50 home runs. That's really only something a uh, absolute semi-giant like Aaron Judge could pull off. Uh, but that being said, it makes this one incorrect prediction. Mm. That's okay, buddy. My next one will make you feel amazing about yourself. It'll be tough to do. The Tigers finish second <laughs> in the AL Central and make the playoffs. The Tigers finished 30 games under 500, losing almost 100 games, fourth Man. in the AL Central. 
like AJ Hinch is on the hot seat. That team is imploding. They're somehow worse than they were last year, and they weren't very good last year. Like they lost eleven more games this year than they did last year. Just not moving in the right direction. Javi Baez, who's always been suspect, was bad this year. Akil Badu, who had a really promising rookie campaign, was bad this year. I mean, not a dude, not a single player on the Tigers finished above at, at or above a 100 OPS plus. There was not a single person on the starting roster or on the starting lineup of the the, the Detroit Tigers who is a league average or better hitter. None of them. That's so depressing. Ouch. Ouch. Um, yeah. It's amazing Ouch. how we both had the Detroit Tigers being a team to turn things around, and they didn't. One would have hoped. Yeah, so what's your next one? Zach Grinky has a plate appearance this season. He did not. And a prediction. And a prediction. He did not. He they does not. They does not have a 2022 stat line for player batting even on his page. And his career is now over. Yeah, very sad. His time has come and gone. All right. I say we bring back. We ban the DL again. Not DL. DH. DL is a good thing. We should keep that. The down low. Uh, it's the list. It's the it's the IL. It's the injured list. Oh right, it changed. Yeah, Stupid. like three years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. not I'm not with times. Um, uh, my next bull prediction, my final bull prediction. Um, oh, this did come true. I sorry, I thought this one was wrong for some reason. Um, my final bull prediction was the Rockies somehow get worse and win under seventy games. So in 2021, the Rockies were pretty bad under Bud Black's leadership and finished 74 and 87 fourth in the NL West. Um, Yeah, they finished dead last in the NL West this year and did win under 70 games. 68 and 94 was the team record. Uh, Won six fewer games this year than they did last year, even though they did add some players that we know the names of, like they traded for Randall Grichuk and they signed Chris Bryant and it did not matter because the team is very bad. Um, Their pitching makes my heart weep. (laughs) They had nobody on, on their starting the six guys who appear to be qualified as starting pitchers for the the organization. Not a one of them finished with an ERA under 4.5. God, that's so bad. Yeah, so yeah, bad. yeah. So actually, this one came true, so I can my credit for that myself. Credit for that one. Um, all right, Corbin, for a change, let's tally up the points. If you kept track of your partial credits, <laughs> which I did one this po- time, so one point five for me, a full and a half. I got five points. Oh, Four shit. full points and two half points. Dude, it's amazing what could happen when you loosen up the grading. It's great stuff. Yeah, right? I can't wait to go claim my prize at the front office. <laughs> um Yeah, all right, cool. So that's that's what that's what went down. Uh football is happening right now as we were talking about this. So we'll talk about what's happening with this week in the NFL on um Thursday's episode. 
there have been no major free agent signings or or, or trades that um, have hit the airwaves yet. So we will um probably at this point mm, it will probably just start culling them until we have a, a decent and a, a decent enough amount to actually discuss them in full. Uh, but if there's anything groundbreaking that happens, we'll, we'll with MLB uh, players. We'll talk about that eventually at some point. Um, but until then, Corey, you got anything else for you? Or are you ready to just get out? Um, no, I don't. All right. Well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.